0: Welcome to After Hours, Conversations for Music Educators, presented by Amaral Music. This is where we share ideas and work towards solutions to better serve your students. This week, Nick Averwater continues his conversation with John Malenzak, Vice President of Music Education and Technology at Hal Leonard. In this episode, they'll be talking about advocating for music education, defining success for young musicians, and more. This conversation was recorded November 23rd, 2021, and it's broken up into two episodes, and this is part two.
1: John, I I do want to transition a little bit into the world of advocacy, um, because that has been a cornerstone. I mean, you you and I have spent time together in Washington, D.C. You have advocated at the federal level. You mentioned a little bit some of the time that you spent in Louisiana working with them at the advocacy level. And then I know you're very involved there in your home state as well. So this is a huge part about what you do. Take us through just some of the advocacy activities that you have done, so maybe we can just kind of define the scope of where your experience have been, and then we'll reflect on perhaps where we are, where there's an advocacy need now, and what we anticipate the advocacy needs being tomorrow. You want to kick us off on that?
2: Yeah, buddy. I was uh, just did a whole advocacy session at Virginia Music Educators. I'll do it again at New York State School of Music Nisma next week. Um, I have a, I have a... Very specific Malenzak take on advocacy, and obviously it's based on my personal experience. You know, you and I have worn the suits; we've looked incredibly handsome together uh, in DC. I mean, y'all incredibly handsome. I mean, this me, me and Nick together is it's just like sorry, traffic stopping in DC. Cabs are wrecking; it's insane. But we've gone <laughs> and we've done the meetings. <laughs> we've we're very humble too. We've done the meetings in DC, and that's super valuable, right? Like. You know, I don't think there's a better advocate for policy and funding and legislation than what NAM and NAFME are doing. That's incredibly valuable. You know, we have and with Esser and what we've there, there's amazing, you know, the Music And Now team and what How Leonard Yamaha, like all these people have done with that. That's all phenomenal. Like I don't think I need to recreate those moments because they're they're already being done so well. So my advocacy plea is that Everything we do as a music educator is an opportunity for, to advocate for the purpose, the real purpose of music education, why it matters. And so what I would say on this podcast to, to sum up my longer presentations is our, our responsibility as educators, as advocates, is to unpack and break down and create understanding in our communities about the underlying benefits of what people see because we bring, people see kids playing instruments parents see their credit card bills going up at the music store parents see having to run around town to get the after school rehearsal to pick one kid up from soccer to drag him here you know we see the kids play in the concert your administrator walks in and they see you waving a stick right That's what they see in the very few moments that they see that. We bring kids to sing at the state capitol. We bring kids to perform for the community, and we see them playing instruments, and we clap, and we might even do the, oh, that's so sweet. Bless you, honey. You're so cute when you play that tune, and you dress up so pretty, right? That's what people see, but what they don't see is where that kid started or or how they blossomed out of this like really nervous child into this amazing performer or how they've learned to be a better version of themselves of the relationships they build and the friendships and how self-aware they are now and how responsible they are and how socially they are aware because they've learned to listen in an ensemble and expose their own play and take criticism and We need to explain that. So when you're at the concert that's coming up, everyone that's listening probably has a holiday concert, unless this comes out after that, it might come out after, but you have a concert coming up. Do you take any time to get on the mic when when the kids are rotating to say, parents, let me explain what your kids experienced this year, or better yet, have some kids get up and have them write it and read to the parents, this is where I started music and this is where I am now. Like if we don't tell that story, they're never gonna get it. So, as we advocate, as we advocate by playing music for people, that's a beautiful thing. But don't assume for a second that they know the real intrinsic, like powerful value under that. It's our job to tell everyone. So, every time we play music for people, every time we give an assignment, every time the parents are in front of us or talking to our principal about what we're doing musically, take that opportunity to explain what really is happening about the development of that child's life and why music's valuable. And certainly don't assume they know it because, again, they're not musicians. They haven't lived the music life that we have. They haven't had their lives changed by music. So we kind of assume everyone understands that's what's happening. They don't. Explain it. Explain it every chance you get. And that, to me, is what advocacy every day is about. And that's my session title at all the states, advocacy every day.
1: Mm. I absolutely love that. And I don't, I have never heard it articulated in that way. I mean, I've heard the tell the story, but I I love the clarity that you bring with tell the story of what they see, bring clarity to what they see. So I absolutely love that. You gave a few examples. Let's go a little bit deeper on that. You know, Give give me some more examples of where a great place to advocate, what that looks like, the keys to success in those particular examples, so that we don't miss any of these wonderful opportunities that seem to be happening. Based on what you're telling me, they're already happening. We just have to help tell that story. Help, Help break that down.
2: Yeah, you know, to me, the easiest way to do it is to assign the kids to do it. You know, when we make assignments, we make an assessment, my... My ending, I'm going to give you like the big climax to all my advocacy presentations. I have this one slide that just, I get to the point, I build it up, and I just put up this slide and I stop talking for a minute, which you know is a rare thing, but I actually do. And it says, simple sentence, music is not created for a teacher to grade. And let's just think about that. If we assign our students to go home and play this piece for your mama... If, if the assessment is the student, type it in the Google form, name five people who smiled when you played this for them. You just played this beautiful concert. Who are 10 people in your family and life who would love to hear the music you made, who would benefit? How would your grandma benefit from seeing the video of your concert? What if that was an assignment, right? Not you missed three notes, so you got a 97 instead of 100. Like that to me is the easiest way because then suddenly kids are out there sharing their music with others and they're realizing and we're assessing them on their ability to to spread music to make joy. And kids, every time of, you know, every success with kids, they want to perform. They want to get... They want to be recognized. They live in a world where adults tell them everything all the time, what they can do, what they did wrong, what they can't do this, dress like this, wear this, don't do that, ask to go to the bathroom, raise your hand, don't raise your hand, sit still, blah, 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 blah right? But you know what they do in their free time? They take music and they get the ring light and they dance and they add text and they add audio and they share musical clips. They perform for each other. That's all they do on TikTok. They perform and they want likes they just want to perform and they just want the likes. So in music, they're performing every day, take what they're doing in class and have them perform it for others, right? Even and it doesn't have to be in big air quotes here, ready. If we're learning a piece of music in class and their first sight read it and it was a train wreck and it's 2 weeks later and they could finally kind of play the melody, hey, tonight go home and take that flute and and play Make, and play the first time, like show them how you played it the first time and miss all the notes and then show them what you can do now and show your mama how much better you've got in two weeks. Why isn't that an assignment? And that's it. And you get 100 for doing that. Like, I think that changes the game.
1: Yeah, I just I, and I can see I can see as you're as you're defining this about how the advocacy and then even the world we just got done talking about technology, you see start to how all these things blend Together, the opportunities when you begin to rethink some of these expectations, some of these objectives, what the students want to do, what they're currently doing, and then how advocacy can fit into all of those things.
2: I'd say a TikTok to me. I mean, first of all, the the logo is a music note, right? It's a music app first. And you know, for all the issues that social media brings, which there are very real ones out there, I'm not going to dismiss those so quickly. But at the end of the day. Kids are choosing, without adults around, to share and communicate with each other through bits of music. That's what they want to do.
1: I, absolutely. You know, the, just the mentality that you're bringing in there I, I think is so fresh, and, and the perspective is great. And you're right. We spend a lot of time talking about um, what TikTok, the damage that TikTok does whether it's physically to our physical spaces mm-hmm. with these TikTok challenges or the, the you've called it doom scrolling. Uh, but, but you're right there. I mean, there, there is a student describing how, what they want to do in their free time and how they want to engage with others. And you're saying, how can we fit music education into the things that they're already doing and already passionate about?
2: Yeah. And because then they're, they're a music, they're a music student for life. You know, we talk about a lot of recruitment retention. That's another pillar of advocacy, you know right? There's policy, there's I you, there's recruitment retention. Retention in our programs, retention from eighth to ninth grade is a type of retention. Retention from 10th to 11th grade. But retention from the time that kid graduates high school and decides to go do a mass comm degree, them choosing to keep playing their instrument and to keep being an advocate for the arts and a supporter for the arts. That's another type of retention. What do we do in our programs to retain that student, that they are a musician for life? Not oh, I used to be in band. I mean, we do it all the time, Nick. Like how many times do we meet other adults and say, oh, what do you do? Oh, I, you know, I run this phenomenal music store, and you know, I work with this publisher, and we say, oh, that's so cool, you work in music. I, and it happens every time. I past tense verb in some musical experience. That formula happens all the time. Always a past tense. Why? Why is it past tense?
1: There you go. So John, as we transition here to the next topic, um, what what's going on at Hal Leonard right now? Because I knowing you, you've got some great projects going on. There's some stuff that people probably don't know about quite yet that I would love to spend a little bit of time on because I suspect you've got some cool things that educators would get excited about.
2: Yeah, we have a, I, I I'm glad you asked that. It's there's a lot of lot going on. And like like us all, I mean the pandemic allowed us to really rethink and refocus. So I'll tell you, you know, some of the the broad initiatives that that really drive me and, and drive our entire sort of education team is this, this concept of serving all students. And it really means something, right? The student in band, the different levels of students in band, choir, orchestra, but the student's not in a music program. How do we get them involved? Maybe there's other programs. We're heavily invested in modern band um, maybe it's a mariachi program, maybe it's steel pan, whatever it is, you know. So serving all students is important. I mentioned individualized and whole class. That, that topic I mentioned earlier is something that really drives us. What do we have to inspire the whole class to make music together beautifully, but also that individual to have the music and notes on the page that they need to make music. Um, digital and physical resources, the combination of those two are really intriguing. You know, I mean, a lot of us, you know, you buy the book and there's some there's some digital follow up or you know log in here and here's a code and here's where the play along is. But what is a world in which digital experiences drive physical resources too? Does digital also have to be the second? You know, so we're doing some things that, uh, in that area, um, huge emphasis on professional development. We recognize that we have to build up education. And so, sending clinicians. One of the things I'm really focused right now is being able to make sure that, you know, as how Leonard exhibits and has clinicians in almost every state MEA, how do we allow Washington State to gain from the knowledge of someone who lives in New Jersey or Oklahoma to, you know, expand upon something that's going on in Arizona, you know, so a lot of these are really internal state things, but if you need a rock star clinician, if you want a keynote clinician from anywhere in the country, call me. I'll provide it. I'll say that right now. If you're listening. And you want a keynote clinician to come in from a complete other state to just blow the minds of your teachers in your state and you can't fund them to get there, call me. I will send them on How Leonard's Dime. Like, let's do it. Let's, Let's level that playing field, you know. So some specific examples, right? Our Essential Elements method, we've had this Essential Elements online interactive component forever. During the pandemic, a lot of people started signing up for it, like, oh yeah, I've never actually logged on to the online part. Wow, there's so much cool stuff. That's now actually free. You can sign up for Essential Elements Interactive as a free trial, not even a trial, a free account, and you can access the video recording assessments, the audio assessments, the ability to connect with your students. You know, you get sample content. We have bonus songs now. You can unlock the full music studio with the book that you have We're also now adding all these bonus songs. So there's like, we just launched a bunch of Charlie Brown Christmas this week. Um, There's some Avengers stuff in there. Like if kids are in there making music, we know how many notes and rhythms they do. Hey, by the way, here's your book one level, uh, other cool things you can play. And we're rotating those really, you know, almost monthly now because we want people to access that. Um, Our performance assessment technology has been just flying. Sound check's been amazing. We really built that on top of NoteFlight because we want kids to be able to create and assess at the same time. Our Essential Elements Music Class um, Elementary General Music product, we have revamped all the lessons to treat social-emotional learning and musical concepts equally. And this is something that's interesting. We did a lot of deep diving on social-emotional learning, and I can't thank Scott Edgar enough for his guidance. But we kind of decided at some point that SEL is not a, oh, we did all this music stuff, Now let's do an SEL thing and kind of tick the SEL box, you know, or how did you feel when you played that song, right? That's not SEL. So we did a deep dive and decided to create an entire curriculum of lessons where an SEL component and a musical component is the same. So we take like a kindergarten lesson. It's fast and slow, high and low, basic musical concepts, but also relationship skills, and so the lessons and activities around understanding a song that introduces high and low sounds also include a turn to your partner and understand, you know, how to communicate what those relationship skills are. They're they're actually built in and interwoven throughout. So, castle competencies and musical skills are actually on an equal playing field. And when we did that, the lesson writers were like, this is really fun. Like this is really fun. And so there that's a really cool exciting piece. Um, we're into self-publishing. Arrange Me self-publishing is absolutely just blowing up. We have that fully going. You can now arrange a piece of music, including over 2 million copyrighted songs, including Disney. You can arrange it for any type of ensemble you want and just, just put it out there and sell it right now. So if you want to arrange the, the Disney song for four bassoons and a didgeridoo, which also sounds like five didgeridoos, right? You can put that music out right now and it's available. So we're now opening up all the rights we have to just flood the market with music of all types at all levels and all instrumentations. Um, and then we have some cool stuff that we're investing in. So all the stuff we're doing now, you know, we're working a lot with Jack Tripp. We do believe there's a world where kids can plug into a, a box and play music over the Internet with near zero latency you know, I mean, that's something really fun for us. And so we're really working with that company very strongly. Uh, We're doing some work with Eric Whitaker, who has a brand new virtual school where he's sharing his entire creative process. I mean, Eric Whitaker has four hours of videos now where he is literally sharing his entire creative process. And it's completely open. It's just a phenomenal uh, way to experience creativity and composition and just the and uh, that's a phenomenal venture. So we're working and distributing that and, and doing clinics and promoting that. So we're all over, man. Like we're, we're taking all the past stuff we've done, rethinking it, making new opportunities, investing in, in things in the future. So it's exciting.
1: Yeah. Well, again, you can just see, you know, at the beginning, we talked about how uh, your passion for music just drives so much of, that you do. And you could just see all those examples that you just gave right there were at the, core at the center of all of that is providing for the student and the needs of the music educator in the classroom. So just applaud the work that you guys are doing there. And, and again, just great cutting edge stuff. So thank you for everything that you guys are doing there to move the needle. Well, John, as we're approaching the 50 minute mark here, my last question for you is, man, what what do we need to be talking about? Well, first off, is there anything that we need to be talking about as a music education community right now that you don't think we're talking about enough or at all?
2: Oh, man. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is the traditional music education community is really, you know, most schools have a K-5 music program and those kids rotate through 30 minutes a week or sometimes twice a week. Or, and then 6 through 12, we get that elective area but i think we have to stop limiting our community to that average 20-ish 25-ish percent of kids who choose to do music and i think we need to be thinking about how do we change every kid's life through music and so i you know sometimes we stop at recruiting when our programs are full but why why don't we advocate for a second music teacher? Why aren't there five music teachers in every school to serve all thousand kids in that school instead of just the 200 that might do a music program? I think a lot of times we stop when we're at capacity, but if we focus on all the students that we need to reach, we can keep going. We can keep advocating. We can keep fighting for more funding. So I think we need to be talking about you know, I think we're talking about the right things, but we're talking about them in this limit of the number of students we feel we can reach, but we are still are leaving a lot of students out of the equation, and there's no reason that has to happen. So think bigger than the walls around you, right? Think bigger than just your community. Now that we can make and share music online, we could share your music with anyone in the world has access to music making. Um, think bigger. Think about every every child and the music they want to make. And let's reach them all.
1: Absolutely love that mentality. Any closing thoughts or final advice you want to share here as we wrap up our conversation?
2: Yeah, for sure. You know, it is real easy for me to sit here and say all this stuff and, and be excited about it. I recognize that it's not going to happen all night. And I, reckon it, and I recognize it's not easy. But you know what? Like The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is right now. And I am like hell-bent on planting all all the trees I can now because this can be a world. Ten years from now, we can have 80% participation in music. And we can have kids making music on Chromebooks. We can have kids making music with their voices. We can have kids playing ukulele. We can have kids, whatever. Like, it's not going to happen overnight. But if we don't talk about it and if we don't eat one bite of that elephant every month, it's not going to happen. So let's just keep moving forward. Let's keep moving forward. Let's not shy away because it's a big challenging thing. Let's let's push it forward. And if we all push a little bit, we can move it forward a lot faster.
1: Love that. And for our listeners that want to follow you and perhaps join you in eating that elephant or planting those trees, where can they find more information about you, John?
2: Um you can find my website's probably the easiest, John just like it sounds real easy to spell. Um sure it'll be on the website somewhere. You can Google John Malinzak. There's not a lot of us out there. Um, That's probably the best place to to see more of my rants and all my social stuff is on there. Friend me on Facebook. I like to connect to people. I'm real open, and I'll accept anyone who seems not like a creeper. So There you go.
1: Well, johnmelenzak.com, you can find more from John. And, John, just thank you so much for your passionate advocacy of music education, your thoughts, your reflections, uh, and everything that you're doing to make music accessible and equitable for all all students, all 100% of them, and not just the 20% that that we talked a little bit about today.
2: Oh, thank you too, man. I appreciate everything you do
0: as well. So thanks for having me on. That's John Malenzak, Vice President of Music Education and Technology at Hal Leonard, talking with Nick Averwater on After Hours, Conversations for Music Educators, which is presented by Amro Music. This podcast is produced by Nick Averwater, Emily McGee, and Joel Hurd in Memphis, Tennessee. You can hear more conversations at amromusic.com slash hours.
1: Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, here are two easy and fast ways you can support the After Hours show. First, your five-star review means a lot as it helps to boost us in the podcast rankings so that other music educators, just like you, can find us. Second, if you thought of someone that would enjoy this week's content and episode – Hey, please share it with them so that they too can be a part of the After Hours community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.